Welcome to the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Now, here are your hosts, editor Christian Berg and associate editor Mark Demko. All right, welcome back to the Bow Hunting Podcast, Mr. Demko. It's a special episode this week, isn't it? Absolutely, super excited. Here we are in the wilds of northern Manitoba, hunting with Corey Grant of All Terrain Bear Hunts. Corey, welcome. Thank you very much. Well, I'll tell you what, it's been a fantastic week, and we've enjoyed two successful bear hunts, a lot of incredible walleye fishing, and um, it's just been uh, amazing, Corey, so we can't thank you enough. Thank you very much. Really enjoyed having you guys in camp, and uh, things went well. Weather cooperated, bears cooperated, and there's there's a few fish out there. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and uh, you know, I don't know really where to start with this, but uh, I guess before we do get started, Mark, we always want to remind people that the Bow Hunting Podcast is presented by. Lancaster Archery Supply. That's right. And for all your bow hunting needs, you want to visit LancasterArchery.com. They've got the gear. They've got the knowledge. They've got the passion. And I always like that tagline, Mark, because passion is a common theme with our guests. And Corey, I guess let's start with this. You know, obviously we're going to get into some of the bear hunting and everything you do to make it so special here obviously have a great bear population but um i think just a little bit about your background uh we're up here in thompson manitoba which is about uh eight hours or so drive i think north of winnipeg and you grew up here small community i think about thirteen thousand folks and Outside your doors uh, is the wilderness, essentially. So a guy who grows up in this part of the world is probably going to have a good opportunity to experience outdoor adventure. Absolutely. Um, living in northern Canada, yeah, it's it's outdoorsy and hockey, and that's about that's about all we got. So uh, take advantage of what you got, and it's yeah, it's been a, a really good. Uh, life and career and you know it's yeah so it's, it's great so you had a passion for for hockey and obviously hunting fishing and also uh, some competitive snowmobiling too yeah i did race snowmobiles yes for several years that got me actually a lot in traveling into the u.s so that's where i seen most of the u.s was uh, while we were racing snowmobiles and you actually did pretty well with that. I mean, not to, I want to pump your tires a little bit here or pump your skis. You, yeah. you, you did well and you won one of the big races one year, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, we done well at the, the I-500 cross country. And, uh, and I also worked for the Blair Morgan race team as well. And we traveled all over the U.S. with uh, the X Games and we were as far east as Syracuse, New York. And yeah, we, we were all over. So that's awesome. And, um, you know, you mentioned uh, the U.S. I also know we talked some whitetail hunting this week, too. You're a big whitetail hunter, and I think you go down to Kansas just about every year, right? I absolutely love whitetail hunting, and I do go to Kansas. They've got incredible deer there, and that's just 
the only way I can do it. Because I can't hunt at home because I get distracted with too many other things. Leave home where I got nothing else to do and I can actually hunt hard. Well, and the other problem with whitetail hunting here is that there are none. Well, yeah, there is none. That's right. <laughs> so we're so far north here, Mark, that uh, they have moose and bear and no deer. And it was funny because he was telling us this week that other things that they don't have that you just wouldn't think about, right? He said no snakes, no ticks, which is awesome, yeah. um, but no raccoons, no skunks. No it's porcupines, a hor- no... It's a harsh environment up here. You've got to be a big, tough critter to survive the winters. Yeah. What are your winters like? Like, how cold does it get? Oh, it's not bad. Like, in January, it might we might get two or three weeks of 50 below. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and you said the ice. We're out here. We call it the lake. It's, it's kind of a river, just a bigger part of the river. Yep. Uh, but... Um, you said 10 foot thick of ice out here? Well, on some of the winter roads, it'll get that thick because it's cleared off and then it just gets to freeze, freeze, freeze. But, uh, yeah, it's not uncommon to go ice fishing and, uh, have to have an extension to get four feet through to get to water. So, so I think it's safe to say, at least for me, Mark, I'm glad that we're here in June and, I think a lot of people think of spring bear hunting, maybe more so in May. I think it's common, you know, back east where we're from, up in the eastern provinces, Quebec, New Brunswick. A lot of those bear hunts take place in May. Here, I think you're probably just getting ice out of places still, maybe even into May. And June, it seems to be really good. And, and we've seen a lot of great bear activity this week. Yes, that's right. We don't get going until the end of May. Just because of that. We can't even get to camp, usually mid-May, because there's ice on the lake yet. So We have a, a long season, a longer season than southern parts. Like, it goes right to the end of June. So, we still got time. And, you know, in terms of your bear population, uh, like, just to, last night, okay, I went out with another hunter, because Mark and I had tagged out. I was filming another hunter last night. We saw four or five bears just at that one bait. And that's not uncommon for you, right? No, it's 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 not. And what happened last night, it's it's June, it's the rut. You had a, a a hot sow in and she just attracted all the boys and that's that's it's it's like hunting a big buck. It's you just never know when that rut is on. So tell me a little bit about your preparation for bear season. Typically, um well, do this. You have an area, obviously licensed by the the government. So you have a, a. How big is your hunting area or areas? And when do you start in terms of your baiting prep? What do you do to set up your baits? What do you use for baits? And then you know all that work that goes into kind of having things dialed in by the time people like Mark and I sort of show up for our hunt. Well, th- this is going to kind of blow you away. Where you're hunting here, I have access to 400 square miles to bear hunt. Exclusive we, to you. Exclusive as an outfitter to me, yes. And we don't touch near all of any of you know. And uh, yeah, we get started. We we I start by snowmobile in the winter, get get some things in, and uh, then just watch them, touch them up, 
and get the cameras on them, obviously. And uh, when when do the bears emerge from hibernation generally in this part of the world? Oh, they're they're coming out first part of May, first of May. Um, like we could hunt earlier, it, but this ice thing, we can't get to camp. So, um, but it's it's fine. It 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 works good. You know, then we can tie in some fishing and really get a, a good idea of what's happening by say June first. Now, I was kind of struck. I don't know about you, Mork, but uh, I thought. You know, a lot of the places I've bear hunted in the past used a lot of pastries, donuts, breads, things like that. And I was surprised to see Corey is mainly using shelled corn, just like we'd put out for deer back home. Although you do something special to that to make it a little bit more enticing for the bears. We've used it all. And uh, we we use whatever we can get our hands on. The, the bulk of it is, like you said, the corn and the used fryer oil. But uh, in the spring, well, we get the beavers from local trappers. They love beaver. And then for the positioning bait, I really like to use frosting. And it... Put, put it on a tree or wherever you want that bear. He can't grab it and take off. He can't move the barrel out of position to, so he's not in position. He comes right to that icing, and, and, and they love it. And do you always use green, or is that just the, the bucket that you happen to be using this week? Yeah, that was just the bucket I happened to be using. So I've had bears with blue and purple faces there sometimes. Gotcha. And uh, so, yeah, it's interesting, you know, again, if you check out, you know, some of our videos that Mark and I have posted or photos, uh you know, Corey puts these rubber gloves on when he drops us off at the baits and he'll take big scoops of icing in his hands and rub these on the trees. And you actually use, you know, you get on your tippy toes and, and rub yep. it up above your head. And that's a sign for us and your other hunters. Like if a bear can stand on its hind legs and reach that upper icing without climbing the tree, that's a pretty good bear. That's a really good bear, yeah. 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 The other thing I know is you were talking about the positioning of the bait, but you really said things up well for the bow hunter here i have to say we've been on three different baits and i think the average shot has probably been 16 to 18 yards but talk a little bit about what you're thinking when you're setting up when your bow hunters in mind because you have stands and you have ground blinds we do have both uh and different situations you know you use the different setup last night we put you uh Christian and Mike in a tree stand just because of the way the wind was. And the other days we put them on the ground blind. Um, ground blinds, really good eye level footage. And uh, But yeah, we try to position it where the bear has to come in, has to give a broadside. Um, or a quartering away. And, and yeah, the easier we make it, then it's typically less... Issues and less tracking. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so, you know, like I think now if I add last night in, in about like four nights that I've been out, probably averaging, you know, multiple bears each night. And that's a change, honestly. Again, I'm coming from a, a Quebec, New Brunswick. There, if you just even see a bear, 
every day. That's a good sit. But you were showing us some videos like four or five different bears in the bait or in not at the bait, but in the clearing kind of milling around all at the same time. Yep. And uh, now you can see how it's when the, when the barrel's empty and you just filled it up, you always know that that's just not one empty in that barrel. Right, right. And and then the other thing is, talk to us about, I actually shot a cinnamon bear, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. It's my first color phase bear. Mark got, uh, you know, sort of your uh, standard black, black bear. Um, but you do have, you know, at least a fair number of color phase bears up here. We do. We really do. And uh, there's been seasons where, like, our uh, our success has been up to 40% colored oh wow yeah you know there's other seasons where it's 20 or whatever but uh yeah we do have a lot of colored bears talk to us about judging bears because that is one of the hardest things i mean these bears even now in the spring their coats are pretty nice actually you don't have a lot of rubbed up bears maybe a little later in the spring you'll get it more so but honestly the coats of all the bears that we've been seeing out here are in great shape and they're so fluffy for people like us who maybe only bear hunt you know a lot of the actually i would think a lot of your clients maybe only bear hunt it's a once in a lifetime for a lot of these guys and even for us you know maybe it's once every five six seven years Man, it can be really deceptive, especially if you don't have multiple bears in front of you at the same time to compare. Oh, definitely. The bear is the hardest one to judge. Um, well, that I've ever had to judge. Um, they uh, they can put on a ton of fat. And, and like, you know, right now, you, you nailed it. Like, they've got four to five inch hair you go all around that bear with four to five extra inches it makes them look a lot bigger and uh that's where you if if you've hunted a lot just the way the bear acts the way he walks you know you use the barrel we like you said we use the icing for height um there's there's things you can do but it's uh it definitely is the most challenging game animal to judge so what's a top-end bear for this area of Manitoba? Our biggest was, uh, he was squared 7 foot 11. Uh, we get, every year, we get a handful over 7 foot. And what kind of weights are we talking about here? Oh, a 7.5 foot bear in the spring is 500 pounds. In the fall, they can be pushing 657. Wow. That's that's a big bear. And obviously, um, you know, you're hunting pretty remote spots. It, uh, it would be tough to do, I guess, uh, or not tough, but yeah, tough. A lot more work without the side-by-side -side and all that. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. That's, those are tools of the trade. Mr. Demko, what's uh, burning burning your mind up? You know, we were chatting the other day about all the different experiences you had with bears, and you were sitting in the stand one time during the pandemic. I think you saw seven or eight bears come out at one time yourself. Um, but I had a, a question for you. You've been doing this now for 20 years, so two decades. What's the hairiest encounter you've personally ever had with a bear? Have you ever had any hair-raising moment or even anything that was just so memorable you'll never forget it? Oh, there's a lot. <laughs> but... uh 
I mean, I'm used to them, so it's not as hair-raising, but, uh, I mean, I've had uh, yearlings or two-year-old right in my lap while sitting in a tree stand. Literally? Yes. <laughs> like, he was on the bait, and a big one come in, and he took off, and the first bait, or first tree he wanted to climb just happened to be mine, and before I knew it, he was right in my lap, so... He got knocked on the nose a couple times, and he went down, and uh, all was good. Well, and it's it's common for you also, when you go out to freshen your baits, some of these bears get so used to your coming that you show, again, you know, you have, it's amazing. This guy has a more interesting phone camera role than most of us. You were showing us a picture, the bear's standing on its hind legs with its paws on the barrel, like just looking at you f two feet away, being like, "Dude, when are you gonna dump the corn in here?" Well, that that there was Cindy. That, that was a cinnamon sow, and she had three cubs, and she was the worst mother ever because all she wanted to do was eat. And uh, I would feed her, put the food in the barrel, and then go to get more to finish topping up, and she would just knock it over before I was done. And we, we were having a tug of war in that picture is what you see i was trying to keep it up she was trying to knock it down <laughs> well uh so your your bear hunts up here uh what's your standard bear hunt like four or five night bear hunt five days yeah five night five yeah. night and um your i mean people always want to know right like what's your success rate um you know which is tough because that requires your clients to also make good yes. shots but in terms of opportunity, I'd have to imagine you're at about a hundred percent. Yeah, for yeah, bear opportunity, you're a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, you were telling us as well. Of course, you do a variety of other things. So you're not just bear hunting and world class walleye fishing. Which I guess, Mark, we did have kind of a tough tough fishing expedition this morning, didn't we? Yeah, it was absolutely the toughest fishing that I've ever done because I didn't want to leave the water. It was that good. <laughs> you hit your the only problem with the walleye fishing up here is you hit your limit too fast. Yeah, you get about you plan on about an hour a day for fishing if you come up here because you we went out with four people in the boat this morning, so it's a four fish limit here on the 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 local waters, and so I think we fished about thirty five or forty minutes. To, to put 16 walleye on the stringer. And of course the walleye is terrible eating too. So not only are you suffering with bad fishing, but you've got all that bad food that you've got to eat as well, Corey. Yeah, well, we I mean I I think I think my mom and dad were feeding me walleye when I was still in diapers, so yeah. Well, it is good. And then then he's got other stuff besides the bear, Mark. Like like wolves. Yeah, talk a little bit about that. You offer a couple other unique experiences. You offer wolf hunting. You also offer some world-class moose hunting, don't you? Yes, we do uh, We do our moose and the moose-bear-wolf combo. And uh, we've got the uh, award for the biggest bull in the province several times over the years. Then um, we're just getting into a winter wolf hunt, which has just actually become legal where, uh, you know, I can take American clients on a winter wolf hunt. And that's really starting to 
pick up and get some traction. And we're also starting to do some more eco stuff with uh, winter ice fishing, northern lights viewing, a uh, little bit of wildlife viewing in the winter, uh, snowshoeing. Well, I like want to I want to back up on that wolf hunt because that's a different kind of hunt. You actually bait the wolves. Yep. And you showed me, like, you killed a spectacular wolf this past winter. And you showed me that you actually had a, you built a, a, a shooting house and it's white. So, in other words, it goes out on the lake and it all blends in with the snow. And you insulated that and you had a heater in there. So, you sat in that and watched out over your bait station. And, and you had, I guess, at least one, probably multiple wolves come in. Actually, I... I... The one I got was the one I seen, but the pack come in the net during the night when I was there. And uh, when it got daylight, there was only one, but he was the one. He was 122 pounds, so yeah, he was a good one. And you got to check out Corey's, uh, what, it's all-terrain bear hunts on Instagram. If you want to see the picture of uh, Corey's wolf, which is awesome, and tons of other stuff from camp here. All kinds of things yeah and his moose camp is like what a hundred miles north of here yeah we have to talk about that a little more we sort of just moved through that but but you're not talking about uh you're talking about some pretty big bulls here if i'm correct you get a, like a 60 incher at least every year right we've got 60 inches yeah yeah um you know a few boone and crockett bulls uh one really interesting thing that nobody seems to have an answer for and this come from my taxidermist at one point, I had uh, sent him 17, total 17 moose heads from clients to mount. And this is the Canada moose. But he told me that 14 of them needed Alaska Yukon form. So we don't, nobody really knows why they're that much bigger up there, but, but they are. And I, I'm just very fortunate to have that area and... Uh, yeah, and, 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 and just so people understand, so Corey, again, you know, multi-talented guy, you're also, you also have a, a float plane, yes, and you fly that, yeah. and again, your moose area is completely different than where we are here for the bears. When you go up in the fall for moose, you're flying up out of Thompson and heading north, and I think you did say it's like 100, 150 miles, right? Yeah, yeah it's 100 it's 100 nautical miles. And you have, and I think you told me you have three camps up there, right? I have four camps. Oh, four. Gotcha. So, and, and, and so you have a lot of room to roam. Yep. And you actually showed us a neat video this morning of a past client who had shot a really nice moose. And so you, you get to your camps, you use boat to travel around and, and find moose. And you basically just put on, you know, shore right off the boat and typically you know, get into good moose hunting action. And, and that was a neat encounter where the guy actually had a really long shot at that moose, right? Yeah, that was pretty pretty challenging for him. It was one and a half yards, folks. <laughs> one and a half yards and uh, put a great heart shot yep. on that thing and it mm -hmm. went down right in sight. Yep. No, it's, uh, it's good. And we used to just have the one moose camp, but we went to the four... Just so it's a little more spread out and, uh, you know, we can, you know, balance it. Uh, look after the moose population. Yeah. You know, we also, and this isn't even law here, but we ourselves 
have a 40 inch minimum just to keep the trophy quality up. And what, what would you say is a average or a good moose? Like if it's at that 40 inch mark or more, is that typically a moose that you would tell your client this, you probably would like to shoot this moose? Well, a, a 50 inch bull anywhere is a good Canada moose. So, and you know, it's, it, it really depends, you know, one could have bigger palms with a, a smaller spread, but yeah, any anything over forty five is pretty good. But we do get them up in the sixty, fifty eight, sixty. And do you do some fishing up in Moose Camp as well? We do, uh, we do a little bit, but uh, it's equally bad fishing up there. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You might not like the fishing up there because it's a little bit colder. <laughs> yeah. Is it the same? Is it the same kind of fish, or do you have other actually? Stuff? It's it's more. It's a bit of walleye, but more pike actually up there. Gotcha. Northern pike. Gotcha. And for your moose hunts, I'm guessing, are you hunting that prime time, like mid September to mid October? We do. We we only hunt the rut. Uh, yeah, third week of September to about October 10th, and then we got to get out of there because it's starting to freeze. And you know, I had asked you about this earlier. People are always concerned. Um, with tag availability, because it's getting to be more and more of a thing in our world. You know, it just seems like the good opportunities are fewer and farther between or more years to build your points and everything. One nice thing um, for, you know, an American coming up here, if you're hunting with an outfitter like Corey, is you do get an allocation of moose tags. So, you know, if you want to book a hunt, I, you know, I don't, I know I'm going to have a license here for yeah. me when I get here. Yeah, that's, Yes, if the outfitter has the license, yes, there's there's no draw. Like when you book, if if you say okay, we're gonna do these dates, you will have that tag. Yeah, and you were saying, you know, for the residents here in Manitoba, I guess you can get a you get a tag every year. You can over the counter. Yeah. So the locals get to hunt moose every year. Mm-hmm. Those lucky stiffs. <laughs> you know, I, I you know we're talking about how remote this camp is for for moose, but. Circling back to the bear, this camp is pretty well. We we drove in a dirt road. I don't know how long it was from Thompson, maybe 45 minutes. But uh, it takes a little bit of work to go the last uh, three or four miles to get to the uh, front steps of the lodge, doesn't it? Oh, it's it's a little bit of work. Not Maybe not so much for me because that's all I ever do. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you drive and then side by side down to the lake, load the boat, come across, and, and there you are. Yeah, so basically, it's it's pretty awesome. You take a boat ride, and it's I don't know, maybe fifteen minutes, and you come around a bend in the river, and then you see this beautiful lodge up on the hill, and you know uh, you're really in this wilderness experience. Yet, if you have to do something, you can get back to town pretty quickly. But you're out here, and I think like up until a year ago, you didn't even have any kind of satellite or internet access. Is that correct? No, I never did. We got uh, we jumped on the Starlink, and uh, that's pretty handy actually yeah it's pretty the whole camp is really pretty luxurious isn't it mark i mean we've got a really comfortable bunkhouse he's got propane heat in here and over in like the main cabin they've been i mean stephanie's been cooking up meals like you wouldn't believe mark since he tagged out early made his famous chocolate cake with buttercream frosting we've been eating like kings i've enjoyed some wonderful cocktails out on the porch by the fire empress gin and jb weiser whiskey and it's good stuff 
Yeah, and if you like to eat locally sourced stuff, it's just phenomenal. We've had... Um, the and, spruce tips. Yeah. In a couple different dishes, we had uh, spruce tip, key lime pie the other night. Uh, we've had smoked moose steaks. We've had arctic char. So if, if that's something like if you like to try new things, that's another amazing experience being up here. Yeah, and a smoked uh, bear shoulder last night for dinner. Yep, absolutely. So you guys get to sample a lot of the stuff that you're hunting and fishing while you're in camp here. Corey's going to have that turned around and on your dinner plate within a day or two. So it doesn't get any fresher than that. I guess, you know, for our last portion of the discussion, Corey, I want to pump your tires a little bit more. Um, in addition to all this amazing hunting fishing that you offer, you're also actively involved with the Manitoba Outfitters Association. And, and you were telling us, I'll need you to say it again because I can't remember. You've got a pretty uh, uh, august title there. Well, I'm for the Manitoba Lodges and Outfitters. I'm on the executive and also co-chair the big game committee so that uh, you know it's it's actually really good to uh, keep up on that and uh, you know what's coming you can make suggestions and it's it's just really good to and you got you guys work with the provincial wildlife authorities yep. to monitor game populations and set regulations and such all those types of things yep so what is the sort of where you at here I mean, Manitoba, this is my first time here, Mark. Yeah. I don't know about you. Yeah, my first time. Well, you know, it started with a, a outreach to Travel Manitoba. I'm assuming you work with them from time to time. But it's been an incredible experience from, from top to bottom. Yeah, I mean, to us, right, a couple of guys from Pennsylvania where there's so many people and so much pressure on our game resources, it seems like an un, untapped, unspoiled, you know, pristine wilderness. But from your perspective as somebody who's lived here their whole life, like, where do things stand currently in terms of opportunity and game populations? And, you know, you know, what does that mean for the future of, of guys like us who may want to come up from the States and enjoy this kind of stuff? Well, for one, Manitoba has a fantastic bear population. And uh, it seems like it's just getting better and better. Um, so, yeah, if you want that. and Obviously, our fish, like the walleye fishing, is incredible. You know, there's been a few regulation changes um, recently, like the limit went from six to four. You know, I think they're being proactive there because the government, they know we've got we've got a, a little secret hotspot there and uh, uh, want to keep it for years to come. Well, when you fly up here, we flew from Winnipeg to Thompson. And which actually makes it really convenient because if you don't want to make that eight hour drive, uh, you can get here in about uh, less than two hours on a, on a plane. And man, when you just look out the window and you look down at the landscape here, there's water everywhere, creeks and rivers and lakes. And, and I mean, my mind immediately went to it, Mark, and you probably thought the same thing. How many fish are down there that, that never have seen a line? Yeah, and it, it's just a vast wilderness with all these different lakes, and it's amazing. And it, actually, I wanted to ask you, so when you get to Thompson, or is it vast wilderness after? Are there a lot of roads left, or are you almost no. at the end of the line? You're, you're at the end of the asphalt in Thompson. There is a road going north, but it's all gravel, and it's even more remote than... Well, and the, and the other thing that I couldn't believe, you know, 
probably should have mentioned this earlier. Like if you want some idea of how far north we are, from here, it's only a 45-minute plane ride to Churchill. And Churchill, that a lot of people who are listening will probably immediately recognize that name. That's where everybody goes, like on the National Geographic tours, to see the uh, the polar bears. Churchill's the polar bear capital of the world. So, and we're not that far from here. No. And, no. and so, I don't know, like, it kind of maybe a shot in the dark here, but like, have you ever had a case where a polar bear has taken a wrong turn and wandered all the way down here? It's funny you ask that because when I was a kid, it was in the newspaper and it was a local trapper right out here about 15 miles away and he had two, it looked like maybe yearling polar bear cubs that showed up at his camp. So they did take a wrong turn, that's yeah. for sure. So, I mean, it's amazing. We're not that far from the Arctic Circle here. I don't know how much further north it is, but, yeah, we're up here. Yeah, we've talked a little bit about the um, the fishing, mm-hmm. the excellent bear hunting, the moose hunting. But uh, one of the other things that struck me is, is you know, talking about how far north we are. You said that sometimes the northern lights are absolutely spectacular. You do some photography tours, or you're starting to get into that a little bit? I am starting to get into that, yep. And, uh, yeah. This past year, it seemed every time I went outside in the night, there was northern lights. So it can be, it's a really good opportunity if that's what you want to see. Yeah, now, if somebody was interested and they just wanted to photograph the bears, do you do that too? You take them out to the base if they just want to get live shots of bears? Yeah, we do do that, yeah. So, a little bit of everything for everyone. If If you like doing things in the outdoors, if you like photographing them, shooting them with your camera, shooting them with your bow. Of course, we don't talk about much gun hunting on here, but I would imagine that the most majority of your bear hunters probably come up with rifles, well, and that's it, good. It's 50%. Yeah. It's well, pretty it, much cut down the middle. And here's the thing I love, because like most of us, if you're a bow hunter, you probably have other family. Like my father-in-law really enjoys rifle hunting, and a bear hunt's a great thing to do with family, because you can come up, as a whole group of buddies or, or relatives, and everybody can hunt the way they want. Like this week, Mark, you hunted with the crossbow. You had your 10-point, uh, was it the, the Viper? Yep, the Viper 430. Yep, and I had my Matthews Phase 4 compound. Somebody else could bring a, a rifle or whatever, and, and you can all be in the same camp, which is not usual back in the States, because most of our seasons back home, you know, if it's yep. archery season, that's it. You know, or if it's rifle season, yeah, you, know, you can hunt with a bow then, but it's tougher. Yeah, there's one other thing that uh, you brought up a great point about coming with family or close friends. But the other nice thing about your camp is it's a more intimate experience. Uh, you're not trying to put eight or 12 hunters in a camp in a no. week. How, what's the maximum here? Uh, five or six at the most at one time. Yeah. yeah, and it's also very comfortable. So if you bring a non-hunting uh, you know, spouse, uh, significant other, just uh, kids or whatever. There's things to do here at camp. It's very comfortable. You want to just sit out by the fire, read a book, take a nap, uh, help stack some firewood like I had the opportunity to do the other day. I mean, it's just it's just a great relaxing time and you can't beat it. So, Corey, if people want to, you know, know more about all-terrain bear hunts, uh, Tell them where they can kind of connect with you. Well, I guess the first thing is the website, www.atbh.ca. 
If you ever remember, if you ever forget that, it's the initials for All Terrain Bear Hunts. Uh, we're on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and then also you can contact me directly on the website. It has all our contact information. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, and like I had said earlier, Mark, we've done, you know, quite a bit of content here this week. So if you want to actually see, uh, you got your bear kill on video. I got my bear kill on video. We're still hoping to get uh, Mike's bear if he shoots one here the next night or two. So we may have three kills that we'll have posted on uh, our Instagram and Facebook. And we got some great fishing footage today that I'll be putting a little sizzle reel together of great walleye fishing. So, and, and honestly, um, Corey has just piles and piles of really neat videos. Everything from uh you know ice fishing here in the winter time to his wolf hunt uh lots of stuff from the bear baits the moose hunts etc it's uh i i said it earlier this week he has a more interesting you know camera roll than the average person back home yeah absolutely it's uh just uh, another day at the office <laughs> yeah, and his office is thousands of square miles, you know, 400 just for the bears, plus who knows how many more for the moose. I mean, literally, uh, nature is his office. You yeah. betcha. Yeah. Well, what do you think, Mark? Well, I mean, I, it's just, I think the one thing that I want to stress is this is one of the best hunting opportunities you're going to have. If you're interested in going black bear hunting, you want a color phase bear, you want to get a big bear, or you just want to see a lot of bears. You offer it all. And then to kick in the excellent food and the world-class fishing. This is one of the best opportunities that I've personally ever been on. It's a great experience and highly recommend it. Yeah, it. I was. I honestly said it to Mark uh, just this morning when we got back from the fishing. You know, this is one of the best trips that I have had in my 15 years at Peterson's bull hunting, just in terms of the whole experience from the quality of the hunting, the quality of the accommodation, the quality of the people that we've been around here. Um, very, very low key. Uh, yet everyone's also focused on the task, you know, doing a good job, doing everything that they can to make sure every part of your experience is, is top rate. And, you know, I was even saying, man, it would be awesome to put together like, or reader hunt or something here and just have just have the whole camp for a week of, of peterson's bow hunting folks and uh just kind of trying to find an excuse to get back to be honest with you mark because selfishly you know i'd hate to think that i'll never have another opportunity to be here with Corey. yeah thank you so much uh for having peterson's bow hunting here and you've been a wonderful host and everything has been top notch so greatly appreciated Thank you guys for coming. It's been a great time. And uh, yeah, no, it's it's been a pleasure having you guys in camp. All right. Well, with that, we'll thank everybody for checking out this week's episode. And we'll catch you next time on the Bow Hunting Podcast. Thanks for downloading the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bow Hunting Magazine on your local newsstand. Or connect with us online at bowhuntingmag.com.